1: Therapist Uncensored brings you decades of experience
0: with interpersonal psychotherapy, relational neuroscience, modern attachment, and anything else they think will be helpful in healing humans. Now, here your co-hosts, Dr. Ann Kelly and Sue Marriott.
1: Hey, everyone. Today marks the 150th episode. I'm really, really excited about that, and we're concluding our fifth season.
2: I know. So, Ann Kelly, congratulations. Best, yeah. And it is our listeners and our incredible audience that has helped us as an independent show with no producers or anything like that, helped get us all the way to where we are today. So, thank you for supporting us for these last 5 seasons. And it's true, we have so much material. The content in this show is it's just an embarrassment of riches
1: especially when we stop to think about all the wonderful people we've gotten to interview and we have so much to share with that. And today we're going to talk about some of the biggest highlights of the shows we've done, because there's nobody out there likely that has heard 150 episodes. So It's pretty hard to know where do I, especially if you're new to the podcast, where do I start? What am I interested in? So we're going to cover some of our highlights. It'd be hard to cover everything, but we're going to cover as much as we can about these are some really meaningful nuggets that we have learned and some amazing people that you have to hear if you haven't already.
2: Yes, it's such a privilege that we get to introduce you all, the audience, with some of these scholars and researchers. It's so fun. It's so amazing. So we're excited to bring it to you. Let's do it. Before we jump into our highlights of our first 150 episodes, which sounds crazy, but the, that's what we're going to try to do today. We want to bring your attention to something. You know, mental health issues do not discriminate. However, members of underrepresented and intentionally excluded groups are at higher risk for a number of emotional struggles And our current mental health care systems often miss the cultural and historical
1: factors that contribute to their pain. Yeah, so July is BIPOC Mental Health Awareness Month, and we really want to call everyone's attention to this and really make note that it's so hard just to have anxiety and severe depression, PTSD, but especially when treatment really isn't accessible or it's culturally uninformed. So this month, through our social
2: media channels, we're sharing specific resources for Black, Indigenous, Asian, Pacific Islanders, and other people of culture. You'll also find some specific resources in our show notes, and you can find those at therapistuncensored.com backslash 150. We really want you to think about folks that cross racial and ethnic lines and recognize that treatment should come from within the communities and be informed by patients up, not just physicians down. And there's a lot to learn about this. So we really encourage you to follow up with some of these resources. All right, cool. You ready? I am. Let's jump in. (laughs) Okay. So we've both taken some time to kind of review
1: these episodes and pick a couple of them. You know, that was actually really fun to do, know, wasn't it? I it really was. To do some and then to kind of remind ourselves about what it was that was impactful and some of them just jumped out. Oh, I really well, and loved sometimes
2: it. it was a little painful. Yeah, well, it's... Yes, it <laughs> you know, there was definitely cringe factors of like, oh, I hope nobody heard that one or <laughs> yeah. or remembering things that we took out of the episodes, things like that. <laughs> well, truth
1: be told, we it is uncensored. We actually rarely re-listen to these. So when we re-listen, we're going, ouch. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> there
2: was one where one of us had I guess it was almost like the flu and had this massive coughing fit. It was actually one time that we uh, interviewed Dan Siegel. And <laughs> the editor was going crazy with it. But you know, we had we wanted it we wanted to keep it so but it was pretty funny. So we both have gone through we've looked at them. we've pulled a few out. And is there any particular one Anne, that for you was super inspiring or was something that moved you or that you know, what do you want to start with?
1: For me, I would say it's the holding your own series for this year. I got a lot out of both doing it, the research that went into doing it, and a lot of contact from listeners around that. And it was so powerful and very impactful, the contact that we got. We did a whole series about difficult personalities, being in relationship with a difficult personality that might have narcissism, grandiosity, malignant narcissism. We talked about covert narcissism.
2: Borderline Uh, personality. Borderline
1: personality. Yeah. And I enjoy doing that because I feel like we can all relate to different aspects of those personalities. We've all been in relationship with either an individual with that strong proponent or minor characteristics of this. So I think it was a, a powerful one to do and talk about. And you mentioned
2: feedback. The feedback that we got on that one in particular was that people appreciated that we were non-shaming about it. We got a lot of calls from people that even were in relationship that said that they were really glad we didn't just say run or make it really simple or make it black and white. So that was great. So if you haven't checked that out, that's a good episode. So start with its episodes 133 through 138.
1: The last thing I'll say about that one, one thing that I was really touched by is we had multiple people that reached out to us on SpeakPipe, to talk about how much they appreciated the one that we did about what if it's you, that's a difficult one. So true. And, but the authenticity and the vulnerability and like, Oh my gosh, as I listened to it, they would say, I think I'm the one that's difficult. And that I just thought, how powerful is it? Obviously, actually, if they can see that, they're likely not extremely on that category, but they were able to be reflective and go, I recognize myself. And you really helped me think about it. We have multiple ones about that. That was so touchy. Well, and think of
2: how we thought of the episode, Much <laughs> was we were reflecting about ourselves.
1: Right. We we're like, oh, oops, wait, hang on. We have those difficult parts. Uh, yeah, exactly. we all do. All right, your turn. What was one of the ones you thought this year?
2: Well, this year, basically, we do two things, right? We bring in expert guests. So that's kind of one thread. And then you and I kind of incorporate what we keep learning and keep sharing, just the two of us. So for some reason, when I was looking through, I was drawn to the guest episodes, I think partly because it's hard to remember, (laughs) like when you and I are talking, like I really liked actually just our last episode, the one that you and I did together. And I think that that's probably a good summary episode.
1: We talked in the last one about the development that we did of the modern attachment regulation spectrum.
2: So for therapists, I thought I would call out a couple of our guest episodes that I think that you should not miss. Therapists, mental health professionals... Or just super nerdy listeners. And I know, and I'm looking at you, I know you. (laughs) I've met you, and we welcome you. So Dr. Sue Carter, she's done many, many things, but she is basically a biologist that studies oxytocin. And she's the one that put it on the map. That was episode 130.
1: Wouldn't it be fun to be the doctor that studies oxytocin? That started it. that started it. Oh, and that now, started there's, it
2: yeah. now there's a ton of new, you know what I mean, research on it. But she was the one that first sort of identified it as a very, very important neuropeptide that regulates bonding and love. And oxytocin, of course, is involved in the social engagement system. It's the good thing. It's the ventral vagal. It's where we go heart to heart.
1: And just when I see her and that she gets to study that all the time, it makes me, it just the thought of it makes me happy. Yeah. And you know how I always sort of contemplate the a book by the title of Become Your Own Drug Dealer? Yeah. You know, <laughs> that's what I'm thinking about. Like, how do you engage in your life with yourself and the world to produce more oxytocin? And she literally talks about it. Yeah. So Yeah, it's really
2: great. And then, of course, her partner, Dr. Steve Porges, we've had on. And that's just such a privilege. And also Deb Dana, who is doing a lot of really incredible, great work, sharing more about the application of polyvagal theory and making it understandable for folks. So you can take a look at that one. So just to throw out a few more for therapists, we got to interview Dr. Bruce Perry. That was such a privilege. I was pretty excited about that. That's 117. Now, I'll tell you one other one that's for... When I say it's for therapists, it's not really just for therapists, but one that is a hero of mine, Nancy McWilliams, psychoanalytic diagnosis. I said this on the episode, I'll say it again. If you don't have her book, I would strongly recommend you having it in your library. It's a really beautiful depth oriented perspective on how people change from a more psychoanalytic view. One of her points, we talked about maybe pulling out certain points. She talks about when we're having trouble with somebody, whether it's a therapy dyad, you know, if you're having trouble with a case or just any dyad, that the thing that makes it so hard is that the person that we're dealing with is evoking the parts of ourselves that we have shame about or that we hate or that we don't like. And when we see that mirrored, that's part of why the person is very, very difficult for us. So I really liked that take
1: on it. One reason also, somebody else that was interviewed was Alan Shroof, episode 141. So that was this past year. That was because I think he's so personable and he had talked about how we become the person we are. So related to that, he's really talking about getting to know himself and getting to know who we are in our own experience, our own authentic self.
2: Right. Well, Dr. Alan Sroof, just to be super clear, is one of the preeminent attachment researchers. He's the person who's done the Minnesota study. They do the longevity. They've been studying it for over, it's probably 50 years by now, where that they followed cases from pregnancy, baby, all the way up through their years, their school age years, to young adulthood, to partnering to children now. So now they can see their babies having babies and then studying attachment for the second generation
1: attachment and all the other things that impact yes that's, that's right so
2: th- he's the real deal for sure that is episode
1: 141 yeah actually we interviewed him twice yeah. so i don't
2: remember the first one but it'll be in those show notes
1: so what are some other ones specifically you're thinking for therapist
2: well there's so many but somebody that's really near and dear to my heart is luke cozolino oh yeah we love and you. he's an incredible clinician and he kind of bridges between being a really great clinician, but then also he's got all of the brain stuff and the science stuff. And that was episode 89, and he talked a lot about neurofluency. One of the things he said in that episode was, you have to get in touch with your own flexibility and tolerate the anxiety of your own ignorance. Isn't that a great quote? That's, yeah, that's really hard, isn't it? <laughs> so you have to get in touch with your own flexibility and tolerate the anxiety of your own ignorance.
1: What I love when I listen to him about the idea of tolerating our own anxiety, I think that is so often what happens when we get triggered. We are triggered into a quick emotional response, literally because we can't tolerate the experience we're having inside of us. And this whole
2: thing about tolerating our ignorance, right now we're learning so much about white privilege and about these institutionalized things that we have an investment in keeping the power that we have. And so it is really hard to give that up. And we did an episode 145 on class, race, and attachment that we're just beginning to really get a better incorporation of this. And why I mention it is you just talk about being able to manage the anxiety of our ignorance, that sometimes people don't do that. And they're like, I'm not ignorant. I know exactly, you know, I, I don't have privilege. Nobody helped me you know, that's not a very flexible space. So moving into the flexible space of being able to learn, be a good learner
1: and learning new things. And one of the signs that you might be experiencing that is if you even just heard us who said that kind of a a bit of twinge in your body or threat, right? Like that's the one way to notice is when you experience the idea of threat in your body, when you hear something to take a moment to explore, why is that threatening? Because it's hard to do that. We just react so quick with threat rather than slowing down to go, why is that triggering me? You know, I did everything myself. Nobody gave something to me. That probably does mean you worked your butt off and you worked hard. And so you have a lot of identity around that. And that identity is very important. And yet it does not threaten you to loosen that and really recognize that also that we have privilege that also comes with that. And to kind of tolerate that in our body can be really challenging.
2: Right. It's not about a good person or a bad person. It's about being a good learner. and being open to other people, and that that doesn't take anything away from you.
1: Well said, well said.
2: And in speaking of that, it makes me think of the idea of shame.
1: One of my favorite episodes of all time is the episode we did with Dr. Steve Finn. Well, it's hard if anybody knows him out there. Many people do. He's just a fabulous man, for one. And then the way he's able to articulate about shame is the least shaming. He might be the least shaming person I've ever talked to. (laughs) That's uh, awesome. Do you know what episode
2: that is? Yes, I do. It's episode 51. And if you're interested in shame, I would also check out episode 81 with Jules Taylor Shore, who did this great piece on boundaries. It will go really nicely with Steve's. 51 and 81.
1: For those of you that remember Jules, that was a very popular episode. And check that out. She talks a lot about boundaries, but she talks about the jello wall. So for that <laughs> so, so tell the jello wall. Oh, uh, I don't know if I could get it as well as she does. But she talks about taking space. It's actually kind of related to what we were just talking about. When something feels threatening, et cetera, it's like being able to imagine a jello wall between you and something else so that it, that is not me. You know, it's it's a way of helping individuals differentiate. Because it's been a long time since I heard that episode.
2: Well, what I remember is that it had to do with, you know, your hands is all the way out, you've got jello from your shoulder to your fingertips. And what that boundary does is it stops and you can have time to ask questions like, is this about me? Right? Is this anything I need to manage? There's some specific questions that you can ask, but really anything that can give you the pause before you react. Oh, that reminds me of Kelly Inselman's the meditation ones were really fantastic and there's one that we did that's just a meditation that is a really popular one too where that there's not talking at all you just hit the thing she will walk you through a
1: really really nice meditation she is fantastic that is episode 64 so it's mindfulness meditation with yoga Therapist Kelly Inselman, and that was that was the one that was the the bonus episode. That if you go to sixty four, it's just the meditation. But we actually interviewed her, which it was it was actually a very powerful one because it was about living with cancer, and it's the six principles of emotional healing. I thought it was a really powerful episode. And that's episode sixty
2: three. You know that makes me think of there's just a few that we've done two episodes. Another one was Doug Brown Harvey talking about sexual vitality.
1: Oh, yeah, that was amazing.
2: And that one is definitely worth a listen. That's timeless. You know, I think it still applies for sure. That's episode 42 and 43.
1: Okay, so one catch moment, that that was such a long time ago, but one of the things that I recall having a dialogue with him about was the whole idea of how we conceptualize for women the difference between how we relate sexuality with men and women and that women lose their virginity. And when they first have sex. And I remember his reframing that they have gone through their sexual awakening where it's going from this thing that something's being taken, like it's bad to that they've engaged in their sexual awakening. And I remember thinking that's a powerful shift.
2: Yeah, no, I really like that. There are several of those kind of uh, little light bulbs in that particular one. And one thing too about our podcast is that we are really great about including particularly the lbgtq position and another one that comes to mind related to that doug brown harvey talks a lot he has uh an emphasis in a way on gay sexuality which is fantastic did you say
1: the episode on that one that's 42 and 43 for doug brown harvey
2: yeah and there's another one that we haven't ever kind of called out before called intersecting genders and it was with lee brookens and it was very meaningful to me and there was a moment when I'm not sure that I'm gonna be able to say it again, but they were telling their evolution of discovering who they were. And we got to this point where it was almost like that there was a moment that they finally recognized themselves and coming from a history of not being seen, where that you feel recognized. So, light bulb was an understatement, but finally being seen and seeing herself. Seeing themselves and being able to feel known and the relief that comes with that. So, I still just feel really tender, you know, towards Lee and so appreciative of them coming on and telling us about that. There's actually several that we have that are LBGTQ centered. Another one, Pam Greenstone. There's actually several on that. So, that's
1: really great. So, I really enjoyed the episode with Peggy Ornstein on boys and sex. And as you were speaking about, that, I was thinking about, she did a interviewing with over 100 boys and she actually had been writing on girls and writing on girls. And then the Me Too movement came out and she realized she hadn't been talking to boys. And so she turned her attention to young, not young adolescents, young males, young adult male, and interviewed them about sex and sexuality. And first she thought that they wouldn't want to speak at all about it and found they did. The thing that stood out is that Nobody talks to them about their own vulnerability around sex. Like the conversations that have been, they've been having is around consent, very important. No, mean no, means no, very important. But the idea of their own vulnerability, what their attention to love and sex is, that their focus on sexuality was so much about their performance piece related to the woman's pleasure, that the idea of just thinking about what its sexuality is about and getting them to talk about it was a really novel thing, including their own identity around it and that they're not talked to about how their identity around sexuality manifests. Oh, I really love that. And, you know,
2: and that was Doug Brown Harvey. You know, he talked a lot about pleasure and bringing pleasure back into sexuality. And, you know, we've just recently had an experience of hearing some adolescents. When you say that it's about consent, that, they're trying to figure it out and there are these really black and white lines. For example, Oh, if she has a drink, then she can't give consent. And there's a lot of confusion and kind of severity around this. So that tracks with what you're saying about it becomes sort of rule based or, anxiety ridden or you know i don't want to end up on the call out culture or the me too you know like i don't want to cause a me too (laughs) and how scary that is and really coming back to their own vulnerability and their own
1: desires and their own pleasure yeah very powerful that's episode 139 by the way this is important for therapists but also for parents or anyone out there we did multiple episodes related to children And dealing with children's intense emotions, I think I loved the interview with Elizabeth Sylvester on The Nurtured Heart. She's so awesome. She's so awesome, and it was powerful. We talked about The Nurtured Heart that was developed by Howard Glasser, and the title of it is Helping the Intense Child. That's episode 128. And... Many people write in that said, I wished I would have heard this episode when my children were young, or I'm so glad I have it. So check that out because they really talk about how important it is to connect with your child and to do it in such a way that you're using that intensity to go with you rather than trying to contain it and knock it out in a negative way. And I can't do it justice, really. She's so good. I was just going to
2: say, like, there's something about it that when you shift into it, it It's very, very powerful. Another one, if you're talking about kids, this is an old one. So again, when you go back in our catalog, it's super embarrassing. But hopefully we've gotten a little better. But this one was on blended families. And we haven't called that one out. That was episode 38 in forever. But I really, from a content perspective, this is a population that is very, very, very common and doesn't get enough attention around the difficulties that come together with blended families. So that's a resource for you, uh, episode 38. And that
1: blended families, one of the things we talk about in that one is that you think that stress is just happening to you. And there's a lot of good reasons when you blend systems, why the stress happens, what to do about it, but to normalize it, and to really give you an idea so that so so often, it turns to high conflict really, really fast. And so take a listen. If you're dealing with a blended family, we really recommend you. Right, and, a,
2: and especially because there's the resources on it are really kind of sketchy. There's some really good ones, and then there's some that are just, I don't know what. It's, it's more like politically agenda, like family-based, things like that. But in particular, we were focusing on each party, the biological parent, the child, and then the person coming in. And everybody has a perspective that is really legit and can be really painful. So compassionately looking at it from every angle is actually really, really useful.
1: Related to that, I really think the powerful one done by Kristen Neff, that's episode, actually, we liked it so much that it was one of our repeats. So you can find that at episode 23. Oh my gosh, 23. It's right. When you listen to this, remember, it's episode 23. So it's one of our, our newer ones. But um, she's a she's great. She talks about self-compassion in a way that I think is very, very powerful, because she talks about it being fierce accountability. It's not just getting, you know, you think about self-compassion as being soft and letting yourself off the hook. And she was really articulated about that it's, really fierce accountability, but it's also, she really goes through the steps about how to find self-compassion, the mindfulness, rather than just over-identification with what's going on and then going from the humanity of what you're experiencing and then to hit self-kindness versus self-judgment. And she really walks you through the power of how to do that. And I thought of that related to blended families, because you, ha- you need a lot of self-compassion. <laughs> and, you know, it's self-compassion, but she also really deeply goes into other compassion by being able to have self-compassion. So those two could go together.
2: Uh, totally. And, again, we want to refer you to these show notes at each time. And that one in particular, there's some MP3, mindfulness, meditations around this that are free that she does that is really great on her website. And now that we can't not mention Tina Payne Bryson, if we're talking about kids and we've been so fortunate to have her on a couple of times and Dan Siegel a
1: couple of times. So we we, we had them on together
2: that I know. I
1: noted that down as one of my favorites. I'm looking for that. That uh, was a
2: fun one and a good one to see them going back and forth. And
1: that was just such an honor. That's episode 125. Parenting under stress, Dan Siegel and Tina Payne Bryson. Okay, you're going to laugh at this one, but one of the ones that I think was super fun is the one that we did with um, Dan Hardick.
2: Oh, yeah. <laughs> I forgot about that one. The Love, the love doc. doc.
1: So in our paper, The Chronicle, there's a, a standing column called The Love Doc. And we love Dan Hardick anyway, but we talked about dating and relationships and he just gives advice, but he's really funny. He just gives them, he's probably the, in a way, kind of the Dan Savage of Austin, but he's so funny. But the episode is dating and relationship advice from the trenches because he has been part of the paper all the way from, from looking from the personals on until where now he's sort of the advice giver. So he's hysterical. But I did actually, one of the pieces of advice is that I think was really powerful is so when he was talking about his irritation with people writing in about their desires of this ideal love. And he was so quick to like, are you the person you want to date? Like really holding self accountable. Right. If you're
2: going to have this big old list, well, that's yes. not on my list. Here are my, my have tos. You know, loves live music, can dance, is funny. <laughs> Um, good cook, right? And uh, it's like, look in the mirror.
1: (laughs) Can you fulfill your list?
2: (laughs) I thought that was great. Yeah, that was fun.
1: Also, I think we should do a big shout out to David Elliott. I thought that he just brought some powerful things to our listeners. And to us personally, he and Dan Brown also did an amazing job on a couple of episodes. They co-wrote the book, Attachment, Disturbances in Adults, Treatment for Comprehensive Repair. Very powerful book, wouldn't you say?
2: That book you need to have on your nightstand. It has the best history of attachment. It goes through all the different treatments. It goes through the history. It goes through the treatment. And it leads up to making an argument for a model of treatment for healing attachment. It's called The Three Pillars. Part of our Patreons, we've been studying this book actually a lot. And David Elliott was so kind as to make a guest appearance for our patrons and do a demo of one of the three pillars, the ideal parent protocol. So that was really fantastic. And yeah, we just adore both of them, but we've been in particular friendship and writing relationship with David Elliott. So be sure not to miss those. What were those numbers?
1: With David, we did a replay. And so you can check him out on episode 120.
2: And one of them, by the way, he does a demo of ideal parent figure on the podcast. That was the one that you did the interview with him. I want to also mention one that is really dense clinically, and that was the one that we did with Dan Brown, who is Elliot's co-author. He is a force to be reckoned with. He knows something about just about everything, and we got tons in specifically related to trauma and complex trauma. So look for the Dan Brown episode. Another little hint on our website. We never talk about our website. But there's a search button, and you can go on the website, and you can put anything in. You can put Dan Brown, and you'll find that episode. You can put David Elliott, and you'll find his episodes. Dan Siegel. Parenting. You could put parenting. You could put gay. You could put sex. (laughs) And it'll uh, list some of the episodes.
1: That's funny you should say that. One episode, we got a lot of positive feedback, and I'd have to look up to know what number is different sexual drives. Are we screwed? Yeah, (laughs) that's right. (laughs) And we get a lot of positive about talking about how we deal with different sexual drives in our different relationships. And, okay, but.
2: hint, hint on that one too, so that you don't have to go listen to the whole thing. One of the most important things when you have a difference and whether it be sexual drive or whatever, going out or food or whatever it is, is that if you can acknowledge the loss to the other person, so in this case with sexual drives, if you can Even if you, like, they have a higher sexual drive than you, if you could say to them, this must be so hard for you, and I'm really working on this, or acknowledging the difference, that in and of itself is just going to get you so far. You know, like, I only eat Mexican food, let's say. and you're allergic to Mexican food, (laughs) this is a, I don't know if this is a good example, but so then I no longer eat Mexican food because I don't want you to have a rash or have blisters around your mouth or whatever, but I'm giving up something. And so if you were to say to me, this must be so hard. And I really want when I'm gone this weekend for my conference, I want you to have Mexican food every single night so that you can be sure and get your fix of Mexican food because since you, since you have
1: to give it up when you're around me, now that might be an interesting example for those dealing with different sexual drives in a committed romantic relationship. Yeah. <laughs> Wait a minute. I don't know if that's going to be a grand example, but I do think your concept though is really really well taken and that is really caring about the other person and what they're struggling with and to remember that the different sexual drives isn't because somebody's being stubborn.
2: And we're not just about committed monogamous Relationships. We talk about all sorts of relationships, but including those who are not in a romantic relationship. That we, a lot of times with attachment, you think of dyads. And there's one that we did a replay on. It was with Becky Mendeville, where she talked about single and not dating. She's, you know, an intentionally single person. And she talked about how she had been impacted by learning about attachment. And it's funny and it's super real.
1: Yeah, because she talks about attachment in the workplace, like how she realizes how she goes to work and how it plays out, which I thought was a really wonderful slant. Yeah, so, the, so for those of you that are blue, <laughs> tune in. <laughs> tune in, tune in. And actually, thinking about different elements, not just at work, I really loved the episode with Lena Rhodes where we did attachment. Lena, Lena. Attachment in the classroom uh, with adult learners. Yeah. This isn't like the Oscars or something where we're going, thank you, this person.
2: But I, she's definitely worth a call out. She has been with us from the beginning. And it's just been integral in so many things that we do.
1: So check her out. That's episode 85.
2: You know, we mentioned the BIPOC mental health. If you look at one of the search buttons, would if you will look for race or culture, things like that. One that I really enjoyed was Liz Plank mm-hmm. from Vox Media Her book is For the Love of Men, and she talks about overturning the patriarch, you know, basically talking to men about it, not women, because it's men that are typically the ones that we need to reach. And one of the takeaways from that particular episode was that, you know, it's not a gender war, right? It's not men versus women at all. That it is a war on one side, those that are for freedom of individual expression and equality, battling those who are wedded to the patriarchal script and that want to keep those power imbalances in play.
1: And her point being, it's not good for anyone. This isn't about men versus women. That the, For the love of men, we don't want that structure. For the love but, of men as well. Right? right, for the love of men, it's so inhibiting and so disconnecting for men. And I think she's just so articulate, isn't she?
2: Yep. And we also did some really great, I mean, I feel like we're going to name everything and I don't, yeah, I mean, and there's so many to, that we're leaving out, we're but Stan it. Tatkin was also, he, I think he was the very first actual guest interview that we did. And then we had him back a uh, couple years later. Part of what was exciting about that is he's really good at bringing the attachment work and bridging it for folks. And that makes me think of, you know, some of these are specific to couples. So we won't list everyone, but if you go to our website and you type in couples, for example, we just did one on emotionally focused therapy. We have Ellen Bader and Peter Pearson. And of course, Esther Perel, that was fun. Notice what you're interested in. And if you poke around our website, there's so many resources and go into the show notes, but also use the search function. There's a list of some of the guests that we've had. And then there's also topics where you can just press the topic and it'll come up for you that way.
1: One topic that we talked about a long time ago that I want to give a shout out to is when we did the episode, actually episode seven, where we talked about group therapy and the five reasons you should try it. In fact, I'm sure we should update that one in our new season at some point, but it's a good episode. And for those of you that have never considered, don't even really know what group therapy is about, it's worth a listen because group therapy, I promise you, is probably one of the most powerful things you can do out there. It's how you grow, learn about it actually, there's
2: another one. It's called The Love Letter to Group Therapy, where that Patty Allwell and I uh, interviewed a whole bunch of group therapists. It was really fun. Actually, I was listening to it the other day, because I was adding some people to my group. If you just skip over the first couple of minutes, because, you know, again, it takes us a while sometimes. But once it starts where the, the group therapists are all talking, it's funny, and it's poignant. And by the time that it ends, I just can't imagine you not wanting to go find a group near you. So <laughs>
1: that's awesome.
2: Uh, so I'm glad you brought that up. I, I have thought about that one recently.
1: I was thinking of the ones that in researching and doing it, which ones have impacted me. And the one that we did about the biology of motivation and habits, why we dropped the ball again, a very early one, episode 17, have compassion. But I got a lot out of us doing that one. And I think one of the things is just the idea that, really willpower doesn't exist very much that we think people are weak on willpower, but actually we don't really have willpower. And a lot of the research pointed to the fact that to hold to something, you have to make a decision for it. That if you try to hold a debate in your body you will lose eventually, (laughs) right? Like if you were debating, if you think about it, the longer you wait in a day to decide to exercise or to eat right, not many of us jump up at 7 a.m. in the morning and run for the potato chips, right? Like this isn't about personal weakness. It's about fatigue and that our body, in order to withstand some of the places in our minds that try to promote more self-regulation As we end up getting more fatigued and it's harder and harder that we tend to use and turn to things that are more numbing, that aren't actually enlivening us. And so the idea that we don't really have willpower, that it really is, we have to make an active decision and to stick to a decision and that you take the thinking out of things. If you have to decide and debate whether you're going to eat something or go to the gym or do something important eventually you're going to talk yourself out of it. And by the way, that's really normal. It's not weakness. So anyway, it was a, it was a fun episode to do. Another one that really turns you on is it's, curiosity. Oh, that's so true. <laughs> that's so true. I get teased about that. <laughs> Sometimes I'm like, oh, it was like, yeah. <laughs> oh, your favorite word, curiosity. What episode was that? We did do a whole episode about curiosity because yeah. that is. I, was there any that like was a particularly
2: tough episode or embarrassing or let down or
1: surprise? One of my tough episodes i don't it's interesting, you should say tough, but the one that I felt a lot of anxiety about doing was the one on hip hop, oh yeah, 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 I had a lot of anxiety, and I'm so glad I did it It's episode one twenty three and one twenty four I interviewed Dr. Robert Travis and Dr. Elliot Gan, and it was about hip hop and beat making as empowerment and therapy and I think I was super anxious to get something wrong, to step onto, to offend, to not say the right thing. I had this real anxiety about doing that one. And it was so deeply important to do it and do it right. But at the end, I loved it because I felt like I grew so much in my own understanding and belief and respect about hip hop and was able to hear my kids listening to it from a really different angle than before. And so it was. Powerful, but it was it was a hard one.
2: Mm-hmm. That makes sense. It makes me think of the one that I did with Ruth Verhey, Grandmother Heels, is that what it's called? Yeah,
1: that was episode 127.
2: Right. She's in Zimbabwe, and it was a great way to highlight some community-based treatment that is peer treatment. We touched on that at the beginning of the episode around really changing our systems of care, and that was a really great one there. And again, there's several like that. The one with Alfonso Appleton from... Liberia. Another one that if you put in, I just noticed that we did a lot, was the ones on narcissism. So, And then we did another one right afterwards, and we did a couple before. So apparently we're interested in the subject, because if you put in narcissism, you're going to get a list of ones that we've done around that. Gosh, I
1: wonder why in the last four years we've been interested in I that. don't but know. <laughs> so I think we've probably done enough to overwhelm everybody out there with all the different yeah, options. nobody's actually
2: writing these things down. But hopefully you've enjoyed or maybe heard one or two that Piqued your interest.
1: Speaking of piquing interest next season. Yes, next season. We've already got stuff going in the can. I'm really excited. One of the things we're gonna be doing next season, we've mentioned this before, we're gonna be doing a series. We like the series now. And I think we're gonna call it therapy vitamins. Yeah, it's gonna be super short, very, very
2: short. Not a lot of chat, but it'll be just content dense. So in just a few
1: minutes, we're gonna cover a fast topic that hopefully will be real applicable. So yeah, it's just a thought of something that's just going to give a shot of nutrients for within you or your relationship. Things that come to mind for us that we think would be really pertinent, but short and to the point. Exactly, as and short as we can do. That's you know a challenge sometimes.
2: And I just feel giddy about this one. We'll probably start the season at least a. Pretty close with this interview that I'm sure will end up being two interviews because I just totally am fangirling. So if you are you know about attachment, if you're you know nerdy in that way, and you know about Bulby and you know about Ainsworth and you know about Maine, and you've heard about the AAI, the Adult Attachment Interview, well, did you know that Carol George was the one who actually wrote it, right? The Adult Attachment Interview. Hadn't learned that until Patricia Crittenden shared that. We did three episodes on her work, by the way. And if you are haven't heard of her, definitely check out her work.
1: Very much so.
2: But Carol George is a preeminent researcher, scholar, clinician, and I get to sit down with her, and I'm so excited. She's done the adult attachment projective, and so she's going to really pull out from the research what these different systems look like. And it moves away from the four categories, which we've been doing for a while, making it more clinically useful. I just cannot tell you. Look forward to that. That's going to be fantastic. And we're going to put a bunch of like content up to around her paper, her theory. Basically, she has a clinical argument for each little thing that they're looking for. And I've just learned so much. Even after these five years, I have one conversation with her to get ready for the
1: episode. And I'm just taking notes and learning and learning and learning. So You can hear her excitement. It's really fun. And I hope you can feel that in our podcast that we are doing this because we feel the passion of what we're doing and the excitement of getting this out to you guys because it's just such vital information. And you can feel it's for therapists on one level and it's for everyone else out there as well. We're hoping we're covering a broad range for everybody's interests.
2: Totally. It is such a privilege to be able to bring you a lot of these original scholars and to bridge you there. And then it's also a privilege to be able to translate it and make it more usable across the world. And we just are so blessed to be heard in so many different countries. And we really appreciate that so, so much. So we are going to take a break. Well, we say we're going to take a break, but let's just also we're writing a book. (laughs) And then we're also supporting our Patreon community and going to be doing more for them over the summer. We're going to find time to take a break, but also we're excited about getting these things out. And we're excited about our online community, which, by the way, if you would like to join, it's a great time. Patreon.com backslash Therapist Uncensored. You can join for as little as $5 a month. And if you join for more than that, then we can put you on our website and thank you and all kinds of fun stuff like that. So
1: I have access to talk with you on zoom and
2: yeah, there's a lot of cool things.
1: You get a lot, but I also want to mention the fact that you will help be bringing this information to those that can't all across the world, which is the, the goal.
2: That's right. There's so many people that wouldn't be able to access this kind of information for many, many, many reasons, and because of you guys, not only do you help us produce the show, but you help us do it without any
1: ads. Woo-hoo. So the goal out there is building security one episode at a time. So I like to think of that mission as we're closing off our season five. We will be back for season six in the fall.
2: We don't know exactly when. It'll probably be sooner than we imagine because we're already recording for it, right? right, right. Uh, but
1: we will be doing replays all summer though. Oh yeah, yeah.
2: We're going to keep it coming at you. And... If you have enjoyed this, we really encourage you, whether it be this episode or one of the other ones that we mentioned, to share. That's one of the best things that you can do. Teach people about podcasts. Still, so many people don't know that they're free and that they're just a touch of the button on your phone already.
1: And one of the best ways actually to share a podcast, because I have done that with some family members that never knew how to do it, and I'll find one that I love, you actually can do it, share it right on a text. And it goes straight to them. And it's a really great way for people to go, hey, wait, podcasting is actually really fun. Mm-hmm. There's,
2: it's surprising. While you're messing with your phone, <laughs> go ahead and if you search for us on your phone, it'll come up and that's where you can leave a rating and a review. For some reason, I think you have to search first and then it will pop up, even if it's already on your phone. But anyway, leave us a rating and review. That's another great way to help get the word out about secure relating.
1: That's true. As we get the ratings, it helps other people find us. All right. I think we're I think we're having a hard time saying goodbye and everybody's going, (laughs) you guys, we love you guys. We love our audience.
2: We just are so, so grateful and just feel so fortunate.
1: And we really look forward to being back in the fall. All right. Thanks for joining us and we'll see you around the bend. Therapist Uncensored is Ann Kelly and Sue Marriott. This podcast is edited by Jack Anderson.
0: Save big on brunch for mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for 4 dollars each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card.